shining a beacon on the bazaar. Well, this is the first for Kraken Cove Arcade. It certainly is. We're not at Kraken Cove. <laughs> we've managed to flee the cove, and for the first sort of recording ever, we're off the island. Now, I don't mean that we've actually sort of like left the island, gone into space like we sometimes have, or we've gone under the sea, or gone on an airship, nothing like that, no. Now, we are completely in a new location. We are on Il Climor. Bata. Yeah, and all that shit. Yeah, that's racist, our kid. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> so no, today what we are, we're doing a field recording. We're out in the uh, in in the wilds of Ilkley so we're at the very top of the moor at the moment. And um, what we're doing is we're we're on a bit of an experiment, you see. And the reason we're experimenting is because we're, we're trying a few little things out. This this moor is an ancient space, a really ancient space. Yes, how they changed for thousands and thousands of years. Now, to give you a bit, a bit of a look of what it's like, or a bit of an idea in your old mind's eye, imagine we've got purple heather across the moorland. We've got large, sort of like millstone grit rocks just dotting the landscape. It's blue skies, white fluffy clouds, and across the horizon you can see. For these... fucking miles. <laughs> <laughs> That's you what you can see. Literally for fucking miles. It's about 30, 40 miles you can see in each direction. We're actually facing east at the moment, roughly east, and we can see right across past um, uh, past Otley Shevin, which is, a, which is a great formation of rocks and landscape near us. And what we can see is what we can almost see to see our kid. <laughs> Not far off, but it's a bit misty over it there, isn't it? It is a little bit misty, that side, isn't it? Yeah, but what we were laughing about, you see, is like, there's all, there's all these other people for all these ordinary jobs and things like that, but we're not. We're here, uh, we're doing Cove out in the wilds. It's, it's great nice, fun. isn't it, yeah? Yeah, you can't beat it. So so we're having a lot of fun. So we'll, we'll, one thing we're going to do today is we're going to try a bit of um, a, an old experiment, right, which has been going on for a lot of years itself. It's called dousing. Now, you probably know about dousing already. You've probably seen like pictures or jokes and things about it. And basically what it is, is you get two bent rods or sticks or twigs or something like this, and you can detect water. You can detect gold. Ghosts? Very, uh, go, well, well, no, they said it. I read it in print, so it's true. <laughs> right, okay, you can see it in print. So Benny thinks he can detect ghosts with these, but I'm not too <laughs> sure about ghosts. I don't know, how do you know if you detected one? Does he just start saying, right, there's a ghost here? No, he just starts swivelling round like normal. And then you just say, what happens if you detected water? It swivels round. So how do you know you detected a ghost? Ghostly water? I don't know. It's one or <laughs> other, isn't it? You don't see many ghosts in middle of the day, so you've got water. I, I've heard you ask it beforehand. Is that what you do? Yeah, you can say, I need to find gold. Right. So basically what it is, you, I, I, I'm of the theory, my, my personal theory of dowsing rods is that you, these are almost like a conduit to our own electrical currents. I think what it is, it's us detecting and finding these things. This is just like an antenna that sort of like serves to sort of like um, heighten our own senses, find the things that our subconscious is already thinking about, you know what I mean? What do you think? I think, what are them two birds up there? <laughs> oh, they're, uh, <laughs> yeah, they are, you've got yourself a, buzzard 
being mobbed by a crow. Oh, <laughs> a little bit of combat. <laughs> yeah, that, it happens a lot, you see, because the reason. So we're just uh, as a slight divergence. Sorry. <laughs> but I reckon uh, dowsing must be real. It's gone on for so long. The thing that got me, you said it, that waterboard uses them at some point. This is what I've heard. Yeah, this is what I've heard. So the waterboard apparently do, or some, some people at waterboard do carry dowsing rods with them so they can actually detect water pipes, things like this. Now, I run a little experiment with, uh, with my lad. Um, a couple of days ago. Now he's he's very much based in science. He only really believes in science and computing and things like this, you know. So I said, you know, these dowsing rods, and he looked suspicious. Like, what are these? Now when I were a kid, you know what I mean? They're all in comics. You know, dowsing rods, quicksand, exactly. killer they roll bees. They're all there, aren't it? You know, nowadays it's only just science, <laughs> right? So I said, right. Well, these are what these rods do. If you if you hold rods over things, they'll, they'll they will detect sort of like various things, you know, elements, as it were. He cried bollocks on that. He thought this is absolute rubbish, you know. So we did a little experiment, and what we did was we covered. Um, well, first of all, he went over to the sink with the with the rods, <laughs> and suddenly the wood just went wild and crossed, and it absolutely freaked him out. And then we went. He went over the toilet, wow. <laughs> yeah, and it worked there. But then I said we could detect elements with it for things like gold. So what we did, we just tore a bit of paper up and, and, and just a couple of sheets of paper and we laid them on the table. Un underneath one, we put a gold wedding ring. Yeah. Every time. The, wow, Every time the rods twitched, absolutely went wild, crossed over those. And it, it blew his mind, it freaked him out. It was like, it, it's like I'd literally said, oh, you don't believe in ghosts, there's one in cupboard. <laughs> it was like that, it absolutely freaked him out, you know. Now the reason why we've come all the way up to the moors for this is because we're going to use the dowsing rods uh, to detect a very old sort of signal, really, if you like. People have been talking about it for a lot of years, and especially nowadays, your new age types have been talking about ley lines. Now, people always think ley lines are these magical routes that run through like Stonehenge and Avebury and sort of all this sort of stuff, you know. But as with a lot of things, they've got a lot more of a pedestrian sort of like beginning, you know. So have you heard of ley lines before, Arkid? I thought proper magical lines that people had detected, uh, not to do with pedestrian side of it, I thought they were like literally, you can see them from churches, because churches were put on old like ritual places or magical places, yeah. or spiritual places, uh, and the connect. you could see where ley lines were, churches, and that's all I kind of knew about them. Well, that's fair enough, is that? I think there's truth to be said in that kind of thing. I don't think, you know, you're far wrong. And I think as well, because of this, sometimes people do sort of like attribute magical properties to ley lines. But what I think we need to do, our kid, is sort of take a little bit of a dive in. What do you think? I think we should deep dive, our Yeah, kid. let's get, you know, let's get casting. <laughs> Outside on mainland's like proper real, isn't it? You know, we're at Cove, it doesn't seem as like big as this. It's a lot bigger out on the real. Yeah. That's because island's only little. Yeah, it might be. But it now here we are. Super real. On, yeah, <laughs> super real. <laughs> Is it like high def? Is it like your telly? Yeah, kinda. Yeah? The amazing that I take people I've I've excuse the rustling people, but this is the like I say, this is what you get on the malls when you're coving. 
But um, the amount of people have said before about sort of incidents they've seen in reality, you know, say, God, there was a big car accident and everything happened, or sort of like a robbery, like a jewelry yeah, accident. Yeah. So I say, it was amazing, it was so real, it was just like something off TV. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, no, you've seen something real. Yeah, it's, it's looking yeah. real because it's real, it's not because it's on TV, you know what I mean? You, you I'd go down that route. Yeah, don't yeah. mix them up, you know. But the, 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 uh, the sources for um, the, or the origins of, uh, of ley lines start with a man called Alfred Watkins. Now, he's a fascinating guy, is Alfred Watkins. He was actually born in uh, Hereford in uh, the 27th of January 1855 at the Imperial Inn, right, on Widmarsh Street, which still stands today. Now, obviously, of the year, he's, he's your true born, in, born and died in the world Victorian, is this guy, is Alfred Watkins. And... Um, he was a bit of an inventor, so he invented like little devices for sort of like to testing, uh, testing sort of sunlight for sort of like, for, uh, apertures for cameras. He tried, he invented loads of different sort of things. He invented the thing, and this was a thing called the bee meter. <laughs> he invented like the, the bee meter is sold all over the world, and it was um, even used on the 1910 Scots Antarctic expedition. Was this, you know, so photographers what, could bees use. Bees were up there. No, they called it a bee meter. Because what it was, you could look through like a little brass tube and you could actually use like a little grade to um, see how much sunlight was coming. So you could check how to sort of like check, uh, check, open and close the aperture in your camera yeah. to take good photographs. Oh, that's clever. And of course, when you're actually at the Antarctic, you know, there's a lot of glare, there's yeah, a lot of flare, yeah. light flare. So, so a lot of the photographs, they wouldn't be able to tell how good they were going to come out. So he invented this meter and, and they've got great photographs. And that's down Excellent. to Alfred Watkins. He did that kind of thing. Funnily enough, he was actually also a, a very keen beekeeper. And he, he was a founding member of the Hereford Beekeepers Association, right? And he even had a, um, a horse-drawn bee van, right? <laughs> he had a bee, bee-mobile. No, so bees and... Instead of a horse, you'd have bees. No! <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, the bee-mobile, as it were, or the, this horse-drawn bee van that he had, uh, um, he would... Or mobile hives. He'd have mobile hives. He'd go around from village to village, right, teaching people the best way to keep bees. Oh, that's good. So he'd just spread the information, spread the knowledge, so people could keep bees, so, so they'd get better, pollinate better, and they'd get better honey. Wow. So that's a really big I'm a big yeah. bee fan. I always want to retire like Shirley Holmes, you know what I mean, down Dorset. Yeah, I think it was Dorset where he was. I don't know where you want to retire. No, Shirley Holmes did, didn't he? All he right. became a beekeeper. All right. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah, oh, you want to do that, right? Yeah, that's what I want to do. Oh, right, sorry, I thought they were coming then. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alfred Watkins was also a, a, an esteemed Woolup Naturalists Field Club, right? Which studied local geological, natural history, and antiquities. Now, this might not sound very important, that kind of thing, but for the year, it was absolutely groundbreaking. Mm. It was this was a new thing. Geology in itself was a new science. People weren't looking at rocks and really yeah. thinking what they were and wondering about them. They were just rocks. But certain people were sort of starting to wonder what these rocks were and what markings were on them. What other things they dig up when they find important things. And he'd start to study that kind of malarkey. Now, the thing that actually sort of happened with him, he had a massive revelation at one point, right? It, when he was on, like on a hillside near Hereford and he was looking out over the hillside and over the landscape and he realised he could see straight lines. Now, these straight lines were just paths, a lot of them Roman roads, to be honest. Yeah. But there's a, a phrase I've heard fairly recently, which is, there's no such thing as a new road. All these paths and tracks have been used, even the ones we're doing now, not some Johnny's just started off across the field and said, oh, yeah, I'll just yeah. walk from A to B. No, 
the walking on existing pathways that potentially have been there for five, six, seven thousand years, if not more. Well, we could tell from Mars today when we've been hiking about, we've been on sheep paths, we've been on rabbit paths, we've yeah, been, you know, it. humans use them, but animals use them as well. Well, there's a lot to be said by following those sort of paths, though, the little sort of like strange ones across Mars. And people who do set their own paths is a word from, you know, yeah. they're called Meanderthals. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So you just meander, and there's a lot to be said sort of psychologically for just having a bit of a mooch, you know. Yeah, we were like that earlier we got lost in that bog i <laughs> know yeah, we got lost in the bog earlier but yeah a bit of fun having a bit it of a lost in the bog you know what i mean but we're all, we're dry now i've had a tin of fizzy pop you've had your water yeah, you? yeah, we're all right we're doing okay we're living but basically it, it, it came like a thunderclap out of this sort of ether to this theory that there was lines connecting places now what a lot of people don't know about ley lines is where you got the term ley lines from Ilkley, Otley, Keithley, Bramley. Yeah. It's the it's towns really. It's yeah. the term for towns and where they are. They're in the lee of places. They're in this sort of like, and usually it means that in the lee or in the lee of something means it's sort of like behind or below something. So if you're in that like below, you're in shelter certainly. Yeah, things. yeah. And he started looking where all these towns were, and he realised the paths and roads between these towns could be connected up in straight lines. And quite often they did sort of follow east to west or follow the valley shapes and things like this. So there were fairly straight paths. But bit by bit people have taken these lines now that he's spotted and seen. And he's, they've, they've kind of attributed magical properties to them. But I'm, I've got a bit of a theory, Arkid. Why? And I'm thinking this came to this revelation like a thunderclap from the ether. It was something he just thought of. Then other people have come up with theories that these paths could be magical. Why can't they both be right? Mm. Who's to say these paths aren't magical? Who's to say that the people who originally set these paths out, they must have trod those same ground for the first time for a purpose, for a reason. Maybe they were sort of like, they didn't need sort of um, uh, dowsing rods or anything like that yeah. then. They, they, maybe they, they were just following their own highly attuned instincts. Could be rabbit paths, could be sheep paths as well. It's true, so we don't know. So what we need to do today is we need to work out, we need to have a bit of a practice with our dowsing rods and see if we can pick up any magical signals. I love it. Are you up for it, our oh, kid? Of course I am. Yeah. Let's give it a go. Let's do it, our kid. <laughs> There's a bit of wind here now guys, we're at the top of Ilkley Moor and we're actually at a rock called Haystacks Rock. Now this is a very interesting rock is this one, Ben's not seen it yet so we're going to go around the side where it's not windy so let's have a little move around. Yeah. This is the most important side he says. Yeah. Alright, cups and rings. Yeah, this one's a lot more interesting. So if you walk around here, right, so if you have a little look here, now there's not an awful lot to see here to start with. There's but what? There, yeah, but what's that it's not writing man oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, these these are cups and these are markings from six thousand years ago i kid ah, <laughs> they didn't write yeah so you've got rings here we're looking at rings and cups and things like this now there's something that might be of interest to um spooky owl now spooky owl we discussed when we were with um we can be weirdos we talked about a a, a carving called sheila in the gig oh, now yeah. <coughs> sheila in the gig is a very famous ancient character 
Now, people believe Sheila and the gig actually appears on this rock. I disagree, but I'll show you where the carving for Sheila and the gig is. Now, so if you walk over this way, lady, it's a lady on, looking underneath a butt with a head, and that's it. You can see the body and the splayed oh, legs, and, and there's the that arms. She's pulling her ass apart. <laughs> that's roughly kind of what we're talking about. Ooh. But this is wrong. Now, a lot of people would disagree with me. People do think this is a 6,000-year-old mark. The cup and ring at the top is the old mark. This yeah. potentially is an old mark. These marks are either natural features or added later. How do you know that? Because I do. <laughs> <laughs> There's no figurative marks in this sort of rocks and formations, right, like this, uh, anywhere in the UK. Wow. Yeah, or Ireland. Sometimes in Scotland and places have been finding things, carvings like this, depicting things like deer or stags sometimes, yeah, but yeah. not often, not all the time, just sometimes, you know what I mean? So like I say, we've got a little bit of wind coming on here. So where we are now, we're looking from this amazing rock, Haystacks Rock, we're looking out, we're looking in the other direction, as you can tell by the wind picking up. Um, we're looking now across the moors and you can see uh, in the distance there we can see Armscliff Crag, we can see right across the full valley now. Very, very amazing and interesting sight. Like golf balls are up there listening to us. Yeah, that's not very Neolithic though, is it, our kid? It ain't, no. <laughs> it's a bit nuclear, which is top of the Yeah. So what we're going to do now, we're going to move on to the next site. So I'll talk to you in a bit. Then the worms will come and net the on then to worms will come and at the up. Then to worms will come and at the up. On Euclamo Batat, on Euclamo Batat, on Euclamo Batat. So now we've got the first test of what we're doing here, the main reason we're out here. Now it's the power of dowsing. We are trying the dowsing rods to see if we can detect any sort of forces, lines, ley lines, anything like that. We're just going to see if we can get a reaction. We are, let's give it a go. Yeah. Matt's got a lovely pair of copper ones. Yeah, thanks. I've also got some really nice dowsing rods. <laughs> <laughs> I've got these, they're like a car aerial old school that you pull out and then it's all floppy on end. Yeah, so what so. you do, you step forward because you're at full extent, you've got to be careful of that wire. So, like I said, you. So, what am I might use up. Mine are out, and I'm just moving slightly in an oval. Wow, I'm getting a reaction straight away. So what's happening is, we're moving the uh, the, 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 uh, the dowsing rods around. Oh, massive crossover there. Wow, look at yours. Yeah. Copper's the future. Whoa. Right, I'm just trying to re realign it now. I'm getting a really big reaction there. That's weird. Now the reaction I'm getting, funnily enough, as I'm turning, pointing towards Armscliff Crag over there in the distance. So I'm, I'm moving away now. I'm, I'm oh, I'm Matt, mine are crossing there when I point it. Yeah, you're getting that. So I'm over the rock now. I'm seeing if there's any sort of like any any interference. In fact, I am actually. I didn't think I would. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Hey! Oh, good look at that. That's good, isn't it? Mine's coming. Look, mine. Clag is like proper miles away. It's a massive chunk of rock. That yeah. what did you class it as? Wow! Well, so, so we get massive reactions from the dowsing rods. Um, we're actually so we're facing 
We are now facing the, the, the uh, it's, a, it's an exact easterly direction is the, um, from where, the, where we are sitting. It's east is where Armsmith Crag is to this rock. We're pointing then west with the dowsing rods and we are getting a re reaction to the west. We're getting like linear reactions. Very interesting. Ben's got some mad, silly <laughs> little gadget out. <laughs> Electro radiation tester and the rock is coming up as a nine. So it's not right. Oh, it's gone to 11. What does that mean? It means there's a bit of uh, electromagnetic radiation in it, car kid. See you, bye! <laughs> Now we've moved across the moor. We're now actually at a stone called Pancake Stone. Uh, this is a big flat rock, which is kind of hanging over the sort of like the, the cliff really here. It's proper hanging over our kid. I think I could push that over. It's, oh. Don't. No, I'm not gonna. There's <laughs> and, bags are on it. <laughs> <laughs> and down below us we can see uh, the cow and calf pub. Yummy. Over to the far left we can see, well we can actually see the cow, not the calf. The calf stone is tucked down behind it somewhere. We've got a clear view up the valley to left and right, to right, sorry. Now, I'm just going to point out, point out to Benny. Yep. So what you can see here, if you can see over there, that's Otley Shevin over there. Ah, yeah. Now, the important thing about being able to see Otley Shevin from where we are is that that is another site of more cup and ring marks. Ooh. Much more, and they're a little bit more, shall we say, sort of what we consider to be scientific. They're a bit more precise. These rocks on there, which have markings, the same number of stars that are visible in the night sky of oh, the Pleiades. Pleiades? Yeah, so that's a little constellation called the Pleiades, a collection of stars. And time and time again, the Pleiades appear in Incan sightings, or, or markings on rocks, Aye. Egyptian sightings, Ooh. all across the world. Are they clear stars then or something? Is Very this, clear. It's yeah. a clear circular cluster. And I'm hoping oh, today... That's oh. right. So that's what I'm hoping to see. Now, what we're looking at here on Pancake Rock, what is visible, is first thing Benny pointed out, it's in like a little dish-shaped sort of well, it's marking. it's one of the big ones. I think it's bigger than any on that other side. Well, it is, but there's also a chance that that's a natural feature. Yeah. There's a lot of water. Now, if you have a little look here, I'm going to point to a little line. There's a little dark oh, line. Oh, go straight into it, doesn't it? Go straight into it. So what we th there's potentially there, a little bit of... Uh, it might have started out as a cup-marked rock, yeah. but what will have happened there is potentially is it'll have frozen, and thawed and frozen and thawed yeah. and that bit by bit just nibbled away grinds away yeah, yeah that's right now you can probably hear a little bit of traffic there's a car going along at the bottom there from us but we're still about a quarter of a mile away from the road it's, it's a little bit of a distance but it's still a lovely pleasant spot you can hear the birds singing it's overhead it's a lovely day Arky. yeah but another important thing is i want benny to notice about this particular rock now we're just going to sort of he's, he's going to hold on to me and come round a little oh, bit yeah. don't fall out oh, kid yeah, right, I'm here. are you holding right so if you're holding on there no 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 <laughs> if you're holding We've on got. there right now <laughs> you can see at the tip oh big ass cup yeah so what benny's describing is there's marks at the edge of the rock again that could be natural weathering there's like a three little cup of marks and there's a big arsehole and a, a medium a big arsehole. Right, okay. <laughs> well, you want me to go scientific? Yeah. <laughs> no! Right, 
Bert, right, come back. Uh, right, right, so go back to where you were behind me. Please. Right, so what we're looking at there is potential markings. Again, what's important about this particular rock, right? Where's it pointing? Wow, straight to Hounscliffe. Oh, it is, it's like a proper stone arrow. So what, what Ben's describing here is this particular rock, this big slab of rock, right? It kind of points straight to Armscliff Crag again. This strange rocky feature that's on that, the horizon. That other one's in parallel as well, isn't it? You can see it from here. Wow. Exactly right. They couldn't have moved this here though, could they? Or... Why not? This is the same time as Stonehenge. Oh my God. So potential, we're not saying it is. This could be a naturally formed rock and they just take advantage because time and time again, they were canny with the people of this area. They didn't necessarily move the rocks. They might have done. But what they do is they take advantage of the natural marks and fissures of the rocks. That is amazing. That is a proper stone arrow. I'm going to take a picture and we will get this on socials because that is a yeah. clear point so straight ben, what, at it. So Benny's going to take photos now. And what we're going to do now is we're going to get the dowsing kit out. Yeah, baby. And see if there's linear forces from here to that rock. Love it. Right. Car aerial fucking dowsing rods are out. Right, so what Benny's doing now is doing a bit of dowsing testing over the rock. I'm trying to get closer to the, it might be the water cup, or it might be yeah, a proper one, so I'm I going in. I'm not sure what, what, what sort of evidence you get over just marks and stuff like that. I think your copper ones do better. Yeah. Well, I think they're, they're sort of finding sort of perhaps, perhaps some sort of, I don't know, there's nothing, no action from Benny's. No action yet. Yeah, right, so what we're, so we're going to do now is I'm just going to pass Benny the uh, sound recording equipment. Got it there, kid? Right, there we go. So he's going to be recording me trying a bit of dowsing yeah, action. Yeah, copper bad boys. I should have got copper. Yeah, they've got to get you a pair if you want for your birthday. I love it. It's not for birthday for ages yet. So, so what we're doing is now I've got the copper rods. Now I'm pointing, first of all, in a... Mm, southerly direction and what I'm going to do now is just move the rods across so he's pointing at Armscliff Crag we've got no no action oh, there oh 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 oh, 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 we've got movement we've got a cross in yeah full cross got full cross in there oh yeah I, I, I'm that I think I've been doing dousing wrong our kid you put them up don't you yeah that's oh, the way douse yeah oh fuck I should have looked into that <laughs> what have you been doing? <laughs> Wanking off. <laughs> so I'm going back again. So what I'm doing now, I've, I've been I've been pointing at east. I'm pointing to the westerly direction now. Fuck. Sorry, something just bit me. Up there. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're pointing to the west, which is where that rock was. The other rock got a little twitch. Yeah, not much. So what I'm doing now, <laughs> you always have a little twitchy too, giddy you are. Oh, that might be me moving, so I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Right, I'm moving around again. Got some action there. Push the microphone towards me, there we go. Not too close, not too close, there we go. Just pointing back at Armsley. I'm not getting, oh, see that left one? Yeah. Bit of a twitch there with the older dowsing rods. So we're not, not a huge amount of activity yeah, there. They're not going wilder, or copper ones are better. Yeah, so we're so, and I, I must apologise as well for the old stereo going wild here because... <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
fucking hell. <laughs> but, but Ben's got his dowsing rods out. Mine are about half a metre long. Matt's are about six inches. I'd go about halfway, our kid. Yeah. Try about halfway. You might be going a bit wild there. Yeah. yeah. Try that out. Oh, yeah, you got a little bit of action there. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll keep them until the next stone. Yeah. So what we're going to do now, we've got a few more little stops. So we're going to sign off at this particular rock. So this is uh, the Kraken Cove at Pancake Rock. Rock. Uh, see you, see you soon. just tramped our ways over the hot moors and it's lovely weather I mean it's amazing yeah, it's beautiful absolutely it's beautiful it's mid-September the bracken's just starting to brown and we've had to use it it's so difficult to find is this particular one it's on a little path but we found a stone now called the map stone very important stone as far as this kind of study is concerned um, so we've we've come wading across and luckily Ben's been with the first one to cast eyes on it he's doing a bit of casting of his yeah, own wow, I tried Arkid I went yeah. a bit recon then didn't yeah I? we're really good you're very successful I think so. I smelt the fox dookie that's all over yeah it. there is fox shit or some animal really shit really weird it looks it's like, like black tar doesn't it or yeah, something really tarry, stuff. what have yeah. been eating well I'm saying it's fox it might be something else I might, my image would be that it's fox because it looks pretty vile stuff but anyway let's not focus on the shit Arkid <laughs> 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 Fair dues. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's tempting, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the good thing is, what is, Ben's already got his little observant eye on things, right? So I didn't really know about all this cup and ring. You know, like like Matt says, it's a cup, it's a ho- like a, a hollowing, but with a ring round it. I know that sounds obvious. Yeah, but, but the way it, well, these cups and rings, what we're referring to cups and rings, now these are marks made by a Neolithic man. Sort of, we're thinking 6,000, maybe even a bit older. You know, it's classed as a Neolithic or prehistory, it's classed as. And this is what they do. They use stone or antler. They oh, use antler right. as, as a pick. And these are what are called pecked marks, right? So what they've actually done is they've pecked marks out of the stone, a bit by bit by bit, to create these glyphs, they're called, which are marks, symbols. They're not necessarily pictures, because pictures around here are very, very scarce. It, a lot like French... Or, or European cave paintings do depict things like animals and things like this. I think you need a cave though, don't you, kid? No. Oh. No, no, I mean, we call them cave paintings and stuff, but you don't really. Well, the outside to the elements and they yeah. survived. Well, we're outside now. No, these survived, but French ones. Yeah. They've got paintings outside on rocks. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant the people. No. No, 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 sorry, my mistake. I mistook you there. I'm in the wrong there. Uh, it's phones. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's four times now, I think. Gives his little notebook out, a ledger comes out. But really, what? No, they, they, the paintings are inside. Yes, yeah. you're absolutely correct. The paintings survive. So, but who knows what was painted on these rocks? Yeah. And what they're finding now as well, a lot of the Neolithic sort of studies are saying, we, we see stone hinges, we've seen standing stones all over the place. Where's the wooden structures? There yeah. were immensely more wooden structures, wooden hinges about. Right. There's one called Sea Henge, which has only fairly been, in the last sort of 20 years, been discovered. It was basically up, imagine sort of fossilised tree trunks upside down. And there's still wood, but they're petrified, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Upside down, so the crown of roots is up. 
imagine maybe 20 of those in a hinge sort of like shape on a beach sticking out of the oh, sand wow. that's a that's sea henge is that yeah so yeah. what they're thinking is they did actually use a lot more different materials but what we the only ones we're left with are the stones this is all rotten or burnt or yeah this mixed. is it and they do say as well the oldest henge at stonehenge was originally a wooden henge i heard that underneath it all yeah yeah, yeah. but the, the majority of these marks that we see and we're, we're very fortunate to be able to see them and especially in this particular area because it's a very rich area for this kind of stuff right is work with the mainly symbols yeah. and people call this art now where's the crossover between art i mean some maps are artistic they're beautiful yeah, aren't they? yeah. you know what i mean but where's the difference between scientific markings or sort of like geological or sort of sky markings and things like this you know for marking the heavens celestial markings i say it's spirit though you know it's like it's a spiritual marking isn't it rather than a scientific that's the crossover to the art right well we should, perhaps what we can do is perhaps have a little look at this particular stone and try and decipher a little bit so what we're seeing here, the first thing Ben spotted, right, was a cup and ring mark, which is towards the lower section. We will take photographs of this and put this on the podcast art and stuff like it's this. It's a nice one as well, is Yeah, one? so we just need to huddle in a bit here. The wind's picked up, so you can probably hear it whistling. But it's nice, nice little fresh Whistling bit. through my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but what it is, is what we're seeing here, first of all, is Ben has spotted a cup and ring mark. Now that mark is there towards the lower right-hand side of the rock, but there's a cup and ring mark here. Oh, yeah. There's one here. Oh, God, here, once you here, see it, you can't unsee here. it. Now, if you imagine, think of it as a sun following the path of heaven. Wow. Down. So imagine as the year's going on, the sun is rising in the sky, and what the thought is, and my good friend John Paul Hotham, his theory is, sun, and this is shine. This is a glow coming off of it. Yeah, yeah. And what's important about this particular rock is the idea that this is saying where the sun potentially rises at, say, it would be one of the solstices. Shit, so you come to this rock, you wait till the sun comes up and you know whereabouts on that sun yeah, map. on the sun map. But what you need is you can't just have the sun maps and pictures of the sun, you need to know where it's going to rise and set. Yeah, yeah. So a particular solstice, this particular sun mark here rises above Arms oh my god Arms yeah Cliff crag oh jesus so what i've just pointed out to ben is there's a mark on this rock where the sun rests just above it is like the line of sight of arms crag the big rock which we can see on the horizon now looking across you can see this this rock rearing up and there's a drawing on this particular stone of where and as it happens that is to the east yeah and at solstice the sun rises exactly no there. Way. It does. Oh my god, we're coming up at solstice. Well, <laughs> yeah, not us and about a fucking two thousand yeah, others. True. This is a very popular spot for solstice. Not this rock, but uh, where we're going to head up towards next, where which is a twelve apostles stone circle. Oh, this is it. Yeah. I can't believe that's the shape of it. Yeah, that's it. So these marks wow. are there. You can hear now just a whirly bird going over above us. The helicopters flying over. It's not in celebration of what we're up to, but you know. Are you going to give a wave, our kid? Hiya! <laughs> <laughs> he went. No, he didn't.
So now, our little voyage, our odyssey across we've Ilkley. We've got there. Yeah, we've got there. So now, we're, here we are. We're actually at the top of Ilkley Moor. Well, Rumbold's Moor, technically. Uh, Rumbold said that because it's the story of an ancient giant who lived up here and threw all these rocks about. And um, and we're seeing some of the rocks he supposedly threw about in, this, in, the, in the form of the 12 Apostle Stones. These are a classic stone circle. Each one's about three and a half to four feet high. Um, they're about a foot and a half wide, something like that. And they're all of different shapes. Beautiful triangular one there, our kid. Yeah. Well, Brave story one there. Well, one of the things about certain stone circles is, is or some of these stones, is a theory with, with which I'm just going to point out to Benny. Sometimes the tops of the stones have been reshaped to mimic the landscape slightly. Right. Now, if I'm going to point out, if you, if I'm just going to draw Ben across here a little way, so we can see a feature in the landscape. Now, if you see the top of that stone there, yeah, it could mimic where. Oh yeah. There's actually a wooded hillock in the distance. Now, I visited this hillock before. Sadly, now um, all signs of anything that could have been Neolithic there. We've only, I've only found one stone on there, which is a possible. Yeah. It could be a standing stone, we don't know. It could be an old gatepost. Because of that, you can't say for sure. So you yeah, sort of say, yeah. maybe. It's a maybe. It's a maybe, it's a maybe. Definitely, a, definitely maybe, our kid. <laughs> right. So, but one of the things that has been found there was an ancient gold talk. And a torque is a, is a wrapped golden armband that the Vikings used to wow. wear. So there's, there's definite sign of some form of Neolithic activity on that particular hillock in the distance. Now, that's one of them there as well. Now, from an angle as well, I'm just going to take Ben across to here. So walk with me. There we go. Now, there's a little low stone here. Now, under certain circumstances, it could align with our friend Armscliff Crag on the distance as well. All right. You know, it's so like foggy, really. You can hardly see. Yeah, it's very now. hazy across there. Very hazy across there. Now, across is it? There's a little tower and woods across there. Now, yes. there's another stone um, um, geograph geographical sort of like thing on there. It's called Little Armscliff. Ah. And on there, there's a cup and ring stone. Ah. There nice. is one there. You can see it. It's in sort of, it's in alignment. You can see these things. Plus, it's the you know it's three corners of the horizon. You're kind of going at at the moment. Well, there's also another mark over there, and that's on the grounds of Harewood House. It's called the Grey Stone. It's a great, huge, triangular rock. Is it he 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 man and all that shit? No, oh, it's sure. not the power of grey stone. It's a grey stone. Sorry, no, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Blending there, it again. There's one of the best cup and ring marks in the in the in the area. Is on the that, land. Uh, yeah, on that, and you can actually from that distance there, you can see our good old friend Armscliff Crag in direct line of that wow. cup and ring mark. That's right. Now again, what we have a we have a little wander around again. What we're doing is wandering around the stones, looking at where they're situated. There's another stone here which aligns with another gap along the valley. It's the it's the path of the river air. It goes through a gap in in the well. It's a, as the valley goes along. It's a, it's a, uh, a um a, a, driven by it's a glacial valley. Yeah. And through that gap, you can see far far into the distance. Yeah, the hills and, are rolling there. And all the way up there, here, there, and everywhere, dotted around, cup and ring marks. Marks wow, on rocks. All up there. Of, yeah, all the way up there. Now, because we're in this one central location, I can think of no better place 
to try ourselves with a little bit of dousing. Shall we do kid. it? Shall we so, try it? So Benny's got the dousing, dousing rods. So what we're going to do is we're going to stand in the central point. And there's like a little pointy stone and a laid down stone. That's right. Well, these stones apparently, again, sadly, a lot of these stones have been re repositioned, re re sort of like reset, as they call it. Now, we can't guarantee for sure when they were reset, who did them, whether they're in the right place. But one of these stones that's in the middle does have three cup ringed marks on them. But it does mark the centre of the stone circle. So what we're going to do... magical. Yeah. So I've got my, our kids' dowsing rods, which are the better ones, the copper ones. We've got the copper rods. So I'm just holding lightly the plastic sleeves. I'm going to start. We're going to do a little bit of dowsing. See if it'll find some ley lines, that kind of thing. Ooh. Oh, wow. He, so Benny's now facing to the east and we're getting a good crossover. Now the fort, they're now pointing north-south. They're now pointing north-south. The rods are swiveling and once again, oh the rods, we've done this once before as a little practice and they immediately went east-west. Absolutely. Oh, it's so conclusive in a way. We've done this a few times, to be honest with you. Just having a mess around. They keep doing this. And what it's following, funnily enough, is the east-west path that runs along the moors. It's basically it's sort of pointing the path along the Pennines, in a way. These rods, are they've set solid. They're not moving. They're not swivelling. So you just move around now. Rotate your body. Let's see what happens. And now what? Now, whoa, whoa, whoa. The pointing sort of forward. Now let's have a look. Now, now pay, uh, pointing to the sort of like. Uh, they're both sort of, pointing the same way, parallel. Yeah, and they're pointing sort of west southwesterly now. Look at that there. Yeah. So that's Benny's turn. He's had to go on the old uh, dousing rods over the oh, rods. Oh, there so he is. So I'm going to give him a go now. Right. So I've now got the rods. Calming the old mind here a little bit, and I'm just letting holding these little sleeves so that then the rods themselves will just go where they want. I can't control the way the, the rods are going. And the rods are moving already. They're having a little bit of a move. And they're actually parting on their own. Without him moving or Without anything. moving, they're just swiveling. Oh my God, they've done it again. They've done it again. So now the rods themselves have done exactly what we said before. They have now moved from, well, they're not even, it's not even the same way slightly. Oh, no, it is. It is now pointing to east. South, sort of southwest. That's the way it's going. It's pointing south. Now I'm going to rotate around. Oh, crossed over. The, 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 they've crossed over. Not too close again. Keep it. That's it. So ahead there. That's it. Perfect. So now what I'm doing is I'm just moving around, letting the rods. Now they're both pointing forward, and oh. I think I. Whoa. whoa. That is, it, whoa, <laughs> the rods themselves are really, they've crossed, crossed. Over, they've crossed over 90 degrees, which is what happened at one point when Ben turned to face the east. One rod now is pointing east. One rod now is pointing straight north, 90 degrees. This happened on the testing again. Now I'm going to rotate my body again, because remember, if we're, the belief is true, it's acting as a conduit through my body. And it's still wanting to point to the east. One now is pointing due south. It might be, I don't know. It's Instead of going in a circle, it's walked to a particular stone, like that big right. bite there. So what we're doing now, we're heading towards the biggest stone. Uh, they've all got names, apparently, but I can't, I can't name them. This is them. the westerly one. This is the Not westerly, the most, uh, yeah, this is the uh, easterly stone. Kind of straight. Right, I'm just going to hold them a bit more. Now, that I, I don't feel any movement through the rods at all. They're just pointing where I've kind of reset them, so... 
nothing no reaction but there's reaction in the center so let's what. go around the circle so let's go around we're walking around the perimeter of the circle now inside the circle sorry we're inside but we're walking around the, all of the circle the rods are doing nothing the rods are perfectly neutral i'm just parallel gently holding other. them the parallel there's no movement walking around oh a little bit, a little bit. oh left hand side oh and whoa, spinning. Whoa, whoa, whoa. and the, the rod one of the rods is just completely swiveled to face me to turn to me going east again it's east he's finding whoa they're both swiveling around the both rods are now facing e oh the whoa they're touching touching rods keep <laughs> <laughs> <Give> up <laughs> Right, we're going to keep walking, walking. Now they're, they're both facing north again. Uh, they're both facing, sorry, uh, west again now. Proper parallel though. Right, so we're walking along, walking along. Still at edge at circles. Yeah, keeping front of me ever so slightly. That's it, that's it, perfect. Walking along the circle. No reaction. No reaction, absolutely dead now. Oh, oh. Crossover. We've got a crossover. The rods have crossed, and that one is still wanting. It's, it's it, wow, it's wild. That is now pointing straight towards the west again. This oh, oh. is weird, I love it. Now we're going to just do the full perimeter. Clear about me a bit. Yeah, keep it in mind. Yep. About three quarters of the way around. Yep. There's still very little moon. Now there's a strange stone on the ground here. This is obviously one that's not been replaced or reset. The rods are basically just... Whoa, 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 whoa. One rod has just <laughs> completely swiveled round and they are now pointing once again east-west direction. One rod is pointing straight ahead of me. One rod is pointing straight at my body. Absolutely solid. But with all the stones we see today, that's pointing at Avsliff Crag, isn't it? Yeah. That's exactly and that it. other one's the path that's pointed. Time and again, we've pointed at Armscliff Crag. Now, we've just, just about done the perimeter. I'm going to go back to the centre. So we're making our way to the centre. Right, oh, we're heading now there. Wind's picking up. You can probably pick a bit of the old sound. Whoa, we've got a swivel. Now, they are pointing north-south perfectly. But they're changing again. <laughs> Yet again. Yeah, back to the familiar. They've gone to east-west. So, we think there, we've got some reaction. I mean, I don't know what power, whether it's something in us, people can say easily that it's our sort of tampering, tampering or we might be wanting to move these things. I don't feel like them, because I've never really had anything down for dousing rods. Mate, honestly, I just want to experiment. If it don't do it, I'll just say it ain't done it, and yeah. that we're doing it again and again and, and again. Again and again, so something happens, so that's pretty spooky. Something so, yeah, happened. well, this is it. So it's like, the you know, ley lines, the original thing with ley lines. It was just pathways that were noticed by one man. Um, did we cover it? Yeah. Yeah. It was just, just noticed by uh, Alfred Watkins. Yeah, that's the one. Alfred Watkins was, was the guy who just who spotted this, who first, first looked at it, and all he saw was pathways. I think we're detecting energy. I think there might be something naturally in the pathways, and I reckon the sheep started it in early man. And I don't think that. Well, if it, do you know what? I don't. It, there were no sheep then. All right. I wonder if there were no sheep in England. Um, no. All oh, right. Maybe the rabbits. No. There were no rabbits in England. <laughs> You're joking. The, the, the rabbits were, were um, the rabbits were introduced with um, um, yeah. Let me get one of your big eggs. 
<laughs> you all then. The rabbits were actually introduced by the Romans. Was it? The rabbit itself is not anything that's um, uh, native to our land. We had hares then. We had hares, but the hares we're used to seeing aren't our native hares. The oh. only native hare we have is like the mountain hare. Right. The hares were also introduced by other people to hunt oh, and eat. to sell food. Fast that's food. right. Um, but the, what they've been following is deer plentiful so they might be following the pathways of deer because they knew that's where that deer went they know that um deer were plentiful they were part of the um uh, uh, migration routes of the animals so they yeah. will have been following those pathways around so they will have had to follow those paths and more and more worn down now yeah. people talk about the roman roads as if oh yeah the romans really built sort of like wonderful sort of like straight roads They've dug out Roman roads in England and they found the original pathways beneath that we, oh. were laid down by ancient Britons, so as they just, were. So they just did it, well, a bit of tarmacking on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the structure, it was amazing. The cobbles that were set and the gravel that they bedded down, oh, it was obviously, yeah. I've never heard that about Roman roads. Yeah, but I mean, there's something... In just to travelling from A to B, I don't think there's something else with it. Well, the, the, it, that's it. They they went on the pathways. It was the easiest routes, to be honest, and that's the, that's the reason why the routes are so straight. Yeah. You've got to avoid sort of um, things in the sort of in the geography which are going to get in your way, like bogs, as we've we've discovered yeah. today. There's all sorts of stuff you have to avoid, but at the same time. If they can go in a straight line, they will. But other things took them there. So we've realised the deer, other things to hunt, have taken them on the, these other path, pathways. In fact, we've got a couple of sheep coming our way now, heading across the moor with a grumpy look on the face. Hello, beautiful. Yeah. But I think as far as our little detective sort of um, um, project has gone, I think we can safely say there's something in dousing. Absolutely. And ley lines. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Skip. <laughs> Ley lines and stone circles and all that kind of malarkey, that's not the only thing that we've got up on these moors, you see. There's been another more sinister incident up here. What, up here? Yeah, oh. the Ilkley Moor UFO incident. Oh, cool. So this happened in 1987, right, and there was a retired policeman had been, what had been happening, he'd been like walking across the moors. And um, he would just, now this guy he goes under the name of Philip Spencer, but that's a pseudonym because obviously you don't want to get your name dragged through the dirt for believing Absolutely. UFOs and stuff like this, right? And he'd moved from London to West Yorkshire with his wife and child in order to be closer to his wife's family, right, after retiring from the police. And he was walking up a small hill across the moors, right, and he detected something felt a bit weird. Things were going strange, he felt sort of strange impulses and sort of like just a weird feeling. Then he looked up into a bit of a dip, right? And now there's all these dips up here, and they're old quarries are a lot of them, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Old quarried stones. And he saw an odd-looking figure just up the trail ahead of him, and it was dark green and about four feet tall. <laughs> it had an oversized head and long, thin arms. And the creature made a gesture at Spencer, which he took to be a gesture, telling him to stay away. Oh. Like, keep back, keep back, right? But Spencer, quick-thinking copper that he was, yeah. got out his camera and he took a photo. <laughs> 
and he did take a photograph of the alien. Now I haven't got it with me, unfortunately, the alien photograph. Have you seen it before? No. Have I you not? I don't think I've seen that one. Alright, we'll have to find it now. Yeah. I must have done. trying to fuck our microphone at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little cutie. Have you had enough BB? Off you pop. <laughs> nope, he's back. That's the first photograph, and I know it looks murky. Whoa, yeah, it is murky. It's a bit murky, is that one? Well, there's another photograph. Well, that bee's back. Oh, oh, it's off. Right, there's another photograph of it. Yeah. And there's a sort of cleaned oh, up set of photos what of the it. Chuff is that? Oh, that is proper shiny green alien. Yeah. It looks nuddy and all. Yeah, this is it. It looks a very oh. strange creature. Long arms, big hands, massive bulbous head. If you're gonna class it as anything, it's your classic little green man. Isn't it? A it's classic your... grey, but it's green. Yeah, it's a little well, yeah. well yeah, oh, it's, it's, yeah, so yeah. this is it's, it's, it's your classic sort of like weird little alien character, you know what I mean? And he saw this thing there. But as soon as he took a photograph of it, right, the creature ran away and Span Spencer followed it. He lost the creature in the fog, but then he saw a craft rise from the moor and disappear into the sky. He described the craft as being of whitish colour and consisted of two saucer-shaped parts that were attached, with one being on top of the other. There was also a loud humming noise. A bit like our bee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we could use that as sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't... He was kind of so startled he didn't take a photograph of the craft. He yeah, was just sort of stunned I think by he yeah. like that sometimes. So rather than continue on his way, Spencer headed to another town that was about half an hour away. Now I'm thinking because he was cutting across the moor, I think he might have gone to Bingley or somewhere like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, it's hard to say where he headed to, right? But he, when he arrived there, he thought he knew what time it was. It was he'd lost two hours of time. God, another time slip. It is yeah. That's part of it, isn't it? Not only that. But additionally, the compass that he had taken with him was pointed in the opposite direction it should have pointed. Wow. Right. So in the days that followed the alleged incident, Spencer made contact with UFO researcher Jenny Randalls and Peter Hoff. Hoff claimed to have been extremely sceptical at first, but later came to believe Spencer. Spencer handed over the copyright of the photo to Hoff. And although the story quickly made the news, Spencer insisted on keeping his anonymity. Therefore, he didn't make any money whatsoever on this. Yeah. As well as examining the site, Hoff sent the photograph to a number of experts. A wildlife photographer who examined the photograph said that it wasn't any known animal. Obviously, you don't <laughs> yeah. get many wild animals. And they used to <laughs> did that shit on the rocks earlier. <laughs> but they've also said there was no detection of... Uh, this was Kodak Laboratory, said there was no detection of tampering with the photograph, right? But also, it was a foggy day, It was. it's not a great photograph, and we are going to put yeah. this photograph on our socials and things, right? Now, what they did find was that he was eventually hypnotised, was, uh, 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 was Spencer. <laughs> oh, I hope he got fiddled with. <laughs> Spencer now recalled under hypnosis that seeing the creature on the hill, he was instantly paralysed. 
He was lifted up a few feet and pulled into the craft. When he entered the craft, a voice told him to be calm, and a group of aliens performed miracle experiments oh. on him, inserting items into his nose and mouth. And the rest. He was given a he was given a tour of the craft and shown a film, and the film showed apocalyptic imagery, including nuclear explosions, famines, and floods. Spencer was then shown a second film, but he has never revealed the contents of that film, saying the aliens who abducted him did not want humanity yet to know. Like showing movie then? Well, I think it was a case that he he was shown it, but he was like. I, and they did the old man in black thing and wiped his memory. Well, he, no, he, I think he remembers it to a certain extent. It's in there. I think it's like, it's almost like these the secrets of Fatima, you know what I mean? Yeah, he, yeah. He's been shown things and sort of told, you know, this is for you to know. Or maybe even the, the hive mind has been fed information by him seeing that film. Yeah, the collective consciousness, what we've seen. Yeah, so I, I, I've a, I have a feeling sometimes with aliens, the reason why they just contact everyone and give them messages and think some housewife in Alabama is going to sort of spread the word, because I think they might have a hive mind of their own and perhaps even presume we do, and we use it more than we actually tap into. Yeah, so yeah. I think they're telling one person, thinking, right, here's information, spread it to everyone. And it doesn't happen like that. We spread it through TV news and all that sort of stuff, and they just get ridiculed. It's hard, isn't it? Unless if you go to a poli politician or most policemen, it's going to stay stum, isn't it? Yeah, this is it. Yeah. So you've got a lot more. You've got to see a lot of housewives for it to get out. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just fold this up. But this is true. You've got to see a lot of people. But even if you've seen very credible people, you know, we we know now know that very credible people have gone to Congress and been talking about sort of in America and been talking about UFOs and things, and even they are getting ridiculed. I mean, who would you think was big enough to come out and say UFOs exist and would believe them? Yeah, it's true. In it, who would you need? Who would Fucking you need? Who would you believe? Are just full of shit, aren't they? So they, you can't believe that David Attenborough. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah that's a fucking good suggestion, is that? <laughs> if he came on telly and says, right, you've got to listen to this. Yeah. If he was giving it all the... Well, out here in the wilderness, we have seen things creeping across the moors. Yeah. This little green man with huge hands <laughs> and a massive head. <laughs> and there he is, next to him, can you imagine? Yeah, you'd believe that. You would? You'd I think it's it. that day though, you know when news hits and it's everywhere, you know, like, yeah. I'm not saying 9-11, but you know when suddenly, bang. We're saturated with yeah. it, it's all there. It, each government has announced it. I think they're creeping towards it. I think I yeah. think the first announcement will be sort of alien life found on other planets. So I don't think it's that, I don't think they'll be alive. Oh no, it'll be little things, they'll find yeah, some sort sorry. of micro they'll find microbes. Yeah, got you. Uh, I think the best one's going to be the Indian probe that's on the moon at the moment. They'll find something there, they'll find something here, they'll find something everywhere, then they'll just go, oh by the way, there's a little man visiting us now. Yeah. And we'll go, yeah, oh yeah. shit, about time. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we'll just be ready for We've it. So yeah, we're getting drip-feeded it, you know, or yeah. drip-fed it, that's what's going to happen. But I think it's quite a credible story, this. I can't see this ex-copper off his own bat ragging some sort of weird yeah, and then, and if he had dragged it up onto the Mars to take a photograph, nobody's seen him bringing it back down. Yeah, it's that bit about a cop, an ex-copper thinking, "I'm bored. I'm going to try and get a load of attention from a green man." It, no, do you know what bored coppers do? 
Oh. Rape women. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, does it? Are they right bastards? Yeah. yeah. I think they're normal coppers out there. Yeah, yeah. Or they, they just, you know, I mean, there's some good coppers out there, but the majority of people who want to join the police force have got a bit of an agenda. Exactly. Bit, I think bit. it turns them a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, that's it. They're a bit, a bit, of, a bit of a funny bunch. Rum coves out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, th- I think they're wrong. But I think it's a very interesting story, that. But even when we're up here in the wilds, we're actually on the site, mate. That's it. Isn't it? When you look around and think, oh, could I? happen now yeah anything could come down and get us but you know what i mean let's Little give it let's give it a quick second <laughs> yeah, feels pretty safe though doesn't it it does feel alone do you feel alone i like it though <laughs> <laughs> this is yorkshire television in color That's not the only paranormal incident that's occurred up here, you know, our kid. There's been more. There's been more. Now, there was one, I'm trying to find an account of it, but this was actually, uh, I'm surprised you didn't remember this one. But then again, at the same time, we were really pissed when we actually heard, because we, as we mentioned, the last story there about the alien, and it was Jenny Randalls who investigated it. Yeah. Um, You should know about that incident, you know. Should I? Yeah. You were there with me, with Jenny Randalls, (laughs) as she explained the incident to us face to face. Who's Jenny Randalls? Jenny Randalls is one of Yorkshire's most famous UFO investigators. Oh, no, yeah, I was young. You got a bottle of fucking Mad Dog 2020. <laughs> fed, fed it to me, then took me to a UFO conference in Shipley. Yeah, I can remember shitloads about that, Arkid. Yeah, thank us later, Arkid. <laughs> can you remember it? Yeah, I remember all of it. I was I, fascinated. Oh, mate, no, I was drifting. You, you and fucking Tigger were absolutely monsters exactly. there, but you know. Drooling at the back. Yeah, you were. Great about, idea, that. But that swig of bottle of Mad Dog. It was a big bottle of and all on it a litre oh, oh that shit's horrible but anyway she went through that particular incident with us that's one she was uh, talking about the other one that is a very famous one up on the moors here because it's a very remote place and believe it or not you can't believe it quite now because it looks so safe it's an extremely dangerous place is this moor why? it's really deep bogs that, you took me through a goddamn bog a minute <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. You really shouldn't be straying too far off the path. This oh, is proper. Is hound of the basket. I was going to say it's like that. I knew that gave you a bit of a twitch. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But it is, it is quite a hazardous spot. You know, these places yeah, here, you, can get, you can get lost. Yeah, oh. In winter, bad weather. And if you lose your way here, you can be lost and suffer from exposure. But that's exactly what happened to one chap. He'd, he'd gone off the path, got lost, didn't know where he was, straying towards the bogs at night Oof. and he knew he was in a bit of a pickle yeah, yeah but what happened was little lights started appearing and these little glowing orbs as they were he followed the orbs and thought well it must be the town like fairy lights well it kind of was he could see him moving and dancing around wow. and he could see these lights all moving scampering and he followed and followed and followed and eventually they took him to the path <laughs> and he got on the path and it saved his life. Jesus. That's a very famous story of Ilkley Moor, is that? But what they think they were, they think they were Will o' the Wisps. Yeah. Which are marsh lights. So he was very near bogs and marshes. But really, those lights, they're well known corpse lights, they're also yeah. called. Are they real, Will o' the Wisps? Yes. 
Wow. Yeah, they are re absolutely real. They, the majority of them is actually uh, methane, which is either glowing or has become temporarily a light. So it's I little, little about the spark. I know the gases are there. We think, where's that spark? Well, it could be, but look around here now. Look at these. The stones that were amongst. Well, it's not a volcanic area. The stones, if you two of these stones shifted together, you'd get like yeah. a bit of a crack and a spark potentially. Yeah, I suppose in a bog as well, the, the, not, the dry bit's up dry, but the bottom bit's moving around. It could act like a, two rocks grinding yeah, maybe together. Maybe so, but they're quite wet rocks though. Yeah, but the top bit's dry, I'm saying. Oh, I see what you mean. Not I underneath see what you mean. Yeah, Maybe bit. so, but you know, uh, it, who knows? But marsh gases, it could be the fact that these things are quite luminous gases anyway. There could be things yeah. that glow. They might not be lit. They might just be just literally like phosphorescent well, gases. You always think it's lucky that gas yeah. isn't, it's not visible, is it? No. Well, but well, at night, some really strong cloud of it. Well, the thing is, well, so that's been spotted here. But the other thing that's been spotted from here in these is sort of like uh, orbs and things on the horizon glowing lights things shifting around very famous on these moors for that kind of sightings you know but what we've got here we've got an actual genuine ghost sighting Wow so this is somebody now I think this was on reddit if I remember rightly so I've just drawn this down from the from the internet as it were and this is a ghost story it says hello I've decided to make reddit account to share my story and hopefully gather more information surrounding the sighting when I was around nine or 10 years old, I'm now 18, I was part of one of the local Cub Scout groups in Ilkley, West Yorkshire, UK, exactly where we are. One of, the one of the activities we would take part in was involved traveling onto Ilkley Moor at dusk to do various activities and walks. On one of these occasions, we were walking back down from the moor behind a White Wells Spa House, which is about two miles from here. Uh -huh. uh, and it was a spa that was frequented by Victorian era by residents and tourists alike. But just as it was turning dark, me and a friend began to hear strange rustlings in the thick undergrowth and began to get nervous given our young age at the time. I look to my left and I see what appears to be the head of a pale clown. Oh, God. One of the old-time ones with pointed hat and pom-poms attached. <laughs> Startled and scared, I panic and begin running with my friend following and eventually make it to the car park at the bottom of the mall where my dad is waiting to pick me up. I tell him about what I believe I saw and he tells me to draw it for him. Obviously slightly freaked out, he tells me to try to forget about it and try to get some rest. Time goes by and we forget about it, and a year after later my dad gets a book for his birthday featuring pictures of Ilkley from the Victorian era. Lo and behold, there are photos from White Wells due to its popularity at the time, and one picture in particular features a troop of clowns that would perform not far from what I saw and who matched the exact drawing I had done from my dad. I had never seen or heard of these before, I do, not, uh, I do not usually believe in paranormal things, but for me this is unexplainable. Any more information of a troop of clowns on Ilkley Moor is welcome. Oh, a troop of clowns. A troop of spooky clowns. Mate, it doesn't, you know, in the city environment, it kind of suits it. Yeah. But when it's on, a, you know, like nature and stuff, it looks so odd, doesn't it? Something yeah, like, that's it. This is a it. big tent there, you know what I mean? But without but one. But just 
clowns uh, cavorting uh, on the scary hillsides like and moors. Fucking didn't make it and died and turned into a cloak clown ghost. Or perhaps he was like a shape-shifting alien of some sort as well and just joined the clowns or something. Yeah. But I don't know, it freaks me out. Fucking clowns are just horrible anyway. They are, they're getting worse. I won't say I'm fighting the clowns. <laughs> they're getting worse! <laughs> <laughs> Those fucking clowns they are getting are. worse, Arcade. <laughs> but the, the re- you don't see happy clowns now, do you? You just see like horror clowns. That's true, is it? I think anybody who wants to be a clown now have really missed the boat, aren't they? Yeah, in a good profession. Ain't a safe profession, is it? Though? Yeah, if, if you know somebody now, like a single bloke or a divorced dad or something, who says, I just want to make kids laugh, what do you do? I put up a load of makeup on and I just oh. clown around. It's like, no. Wayne Gacy, isn't it? That? Yeah, and even even like clowns, because circuses are a bit rarer, aren't they now? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I've never met a true clown, have you? You met me. <laughs> 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 yeah, here's a bit of clown goss for you. Uh, John Wayne Gacy, you know he was a serial killer, he had little helpers, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I've heard one of his helpers, Bundy, a young Bundy back in the day. Really? Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard it. Wow, that's pretty weird. Yeah, (laughs) well, after looking at that, yeah. Oh, it's a dirty one, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, so if you've got any information on sort of Bundy helping out uh, Gacy, uh, yeah. do contact us, what you at crackandcovepodcast at gmail.com. Or anything clown related, yeah. including pockets. Yeah. Look us up as well on the, on the thing, clowns pockets. <laughs> what? <laughs> For fuck's sake. Here I we are, Ron. Normally you don't catch me when I slip them. <laughs> Caught your knickers down there. Yeah. Just- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you'll find us on the socials as well. So, like I say, give us an email, uh, get in touch with us, give us a yeah, shout. Tell you know us I mean? your clown problems. Yeah, that's it. Or whether the serial killer Gacy was actually ass- assisted by a young Bundy. God, that's horrible. But that's not the only um, ghost story sort of sighting because he classifies a ghost sight in this guy, right? And this is another one that we've drawn from the internet. And this is, it says, it was a dark and stormy night, dot, 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 it starts. Cool. It's a classic way to yeah. start, isn't it? it says, so as the nights get longer, it's only natural that we start to think about ghosts and the supernatural. So they've been, I don't know where I got this from. This again, just drawn this up. Apologies if I've drawn it from your website, but it says, <laughs> yeah. but it says, the scene is a November night on Old Claymore near the Cowan Calf Rocks in a dank, thick fog now you might think oh god fogs again but it's a foggy place up here it is we can see it now really yeah it's hazy on the horizon it'll drop drop fog here quite easier so emerging out of the murk is a young fella dressed in a nanorack and hiking boots limping towards us on the road as he nears we realize he's had an accident and has damaged his left side arm and leg there's blood and dirt on his torn clothes he turns away from us to look back Slowly, a car without lights also emerges from the murk towards him. With a sigh, he thumbs a lift. The car stops without thinking, and this fellow opens up the passenger door and on up. The car stops, and without thinking, this fellow opens up the door, gets in and securely closes the door behind him. Turning to thank the driver... He's Bundy and (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Turning to thank the driver... He then discovers there's nobody behind the wheel. Oh no! The scar- <laughs> the car starts to move <laughs> forward very slowly. Oh, you know you fucked it. Slowly, through the windscreen, he sees they're approaching a curve. <laughs> Petrified, he starts praying, begging for his life. He hasn't come out of shock when, just before the car hits the bend, a hand suddenly appears through the window and moves the steering wheel. 
Now paralyzed in terror, he watches how the hand appears every time the car approaches a curve. Finally, although terrified, this fellow manages to open the door and jump out of the vehicle. Without looking back, he hurries through the fog, all the way on his lonely road to the nearest pub, which would be the cow and calf up there. Oh. Soaking wet, bloody, injured and exhausted, in a state of utter shock, this pale, visibly shaken fellow staggers in, makes his way to the bar and gasps out for a very large brandy. A man and lady come forward to help and they're from Otley Hospital. The chaps and senior nurse and the lady's a doctor. They sit him down, open their bags and get out some medical bits and pieces and they both start to clean up his wounds. All the other people at the bar by now are crowding round and also offering help. Still trembling with fright, he starts stammering about the horrible experience he's just been through with a spooky car with no driver and the mysterious hand that kept appearing. Everyone in the bar listened in silence and became frightened hearing this eerie story. Hair stood on end while they realised the fellow was really telling the truth because he was in such a state, crying, and definitely not drunk. Oh, now, there's no oh. twist to this. There's no sort of, yeah. oh, old, you know, old jock drove his car along yeah. here while he was pissed up and, you know, there's nothing that. It's just a very, very weird story. An eerie it's weird story. that he's all battered before he gets in the car, you know what I mean? That's a good point, yeah. is that? Yeah. And, the, and the, the hand coming through the fucking outside, yeah. bit, rather than it being in the car driving the wheel like someone outside it's, an ex- it's almost like a combat between two paranormal forces yeah Christine the strange spooky car yeah Christine yeah. the car and this sort of like and it's actually a bit like the, there's a very famous one I think it's called the hairy hand <laughs> and yeah it's a, it's a very famous ghost story is the hairy hand <laughs> you've had a few encounters with them haven't you <laughs> I didn't want them but I didn't say no <laughs> you didn't fight too much yeah. and and basically what it is, is the hairy hand is a story where people are driving along and the hand grabs the steering wheel while you're driving oh, and jerks no it off the road way. and makes you crash. Yeah, yeah. this is a very, hand. yeah, I think it's the hairy hand. I think it's Dartmoor. But it's another mall and yeah. The so, hairy hand. The hairy hand, <laughs> yeah. So this is like a bit of a, like an ill Climor version of it, yeah. you know. God, a lot of shit's going up down here. Well, we sat here on his own. Yeah, well, that's the thing. But then again, it is an eerie place because we're, we've just crossed really from Ilklimore. We're on the Rumbold's Moor now. Yeah. And Rumbold was the, was an ancient giant that lived up here, you know. And they reckon that all these rocks here which are laying around were thrown around in a big fit of hissy fit by Rumbold wow. himself. Yeah, that's the sort of thinking. Oh. So that's why it's called Rumbold's Moor, named giant after the giant. Giant rocks about. Yeah, yeah. more and more. And time and time again, this happens, you know what I mean? You can see sort like, uh, I suppose the, there's room for him up here, isn't there? You know what I, mean? I think that's what it was. And I think there was also stories as well to keep people off the moors, you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't go on the moors because these, these giants and monsters and things up there. Do, or, and the reality was, if kids strayed up onto the moors in, in the wilds at mm. night, they'd probably just get lost and die of exposure. You, you can't do a search party in them days, yeah. can you? you well, I, I've been upon these moors as well, and they're not too taxing to climb up, are they? Yeah, they are, right. But the difference is, it could be down in the valley there at the bottom. It could be lovely and warm and sort of sunny and stuff. Get all the way up here, it's thick snow. Wow. So, I mean, what we can see, not just where we are now, but there's actually these big, tall pillars all the way across the moor, big, and they're all painted yellow. So if you get lost, you can follow the pillars, and it takes you either down to Bingley. Yeah. Or the other direction down at Wilkley, so you will survive. God, it is. You forget where you are sometimes, yeah. don't you? You'll be like, here at that. At night. Well, if you've got chance, um, dear listeners, have a little look online, have a little look at Ilkley Moor from above, and you'll see 
all the way around now we can see towns and civilization but this is a big wide expanse of wilderness if you haven't got a path you fucked it aren't you really? oh you have yeah if you, you didn't have a point of reference you know you'd be a little bit tricky up here you know what i mean and that's part of the fun and games of it you yeah. know it's a, it's a bit sort of a, it's a bit wild and a little bit woolly really you know a bit woolly yeah, a bit wild and woolly. Yeah, right. Yeah, if you well, don't leave me. If you left me, I wouldn't like that. I'm no. Be a bit scared if you left yeah, me. Yeah, I won't leave you. Don't worry about that. Arcade. Is it that time I was saying that? I'm fucking knackered. We've got to walk all the way home, have <laughs> I know, that's it. <laughs> I'm doing rowing. I burped. I talk burped like Henry's a brown gate. Oh, you dirty boy. <laughs> anyway, anyway, although it's sort of like it's the end to our little trip on Hill Climore, and it's been a fine old day, hasn't it? It's you know been what beautiful. I mean? you know? I've proper enjoyed it. I think we've got room for just one more. Have we? Yeah, just one more. Let's let's finish on a bit of a lighter note, a bit yes, funny, you know what I mean? And this is a little state tale, right, which has come from, uh, again, I've just found this online, this little, little tale, and I've heard about this one before a little bit, right? This is called William the Fairies in the Bath. And this is from the... Um, now, this is a guy called Beachcombing, or Beachcomber. Now, I've cool. seen some of his stuff. He's a bit of a local historian. And this guy, he, he, he tanks around a bit, sort of like... An, he, he likes a pint, and he goes to pubs yeah. and stuff like that. But he's, he's dug up some stories before, which I've kind of looked at. I'm, I, I'm not sure we've actually used them on here before, right? But we have worked with his stuff before, his stories. Now, this is a story about William Butterfield's running with the fairies at Ilkley, and it's one of the best-known encounters of supernatural folklore. Now, one of these things appeared in the folklore record of 1878, and from there it seeped into the works of many fairyists, including Catherine Briggs, Richard Sugg, Janet Bord, Kai Roberts, and John Cruz. So what actually happened there? So very early on the morning, the 24th of June, 1819 or 1821, thereabouts, that kind yeah. of era, a man in his 40s called William Butterfield walked up the valley side of Ilkley. He was going to the White Wells. So again, it's, this is an ancient spring that's yeah. up there, you know. Uh, and um, it, and he says, he says that... Um, and he'd recently become the proprietor of there. Now at White Wells is a cafe as well. It's been a cafe yeah. there for a lot of years. It's, it's a really sort of like good place to stop, right? And it, this guy was a clean living kind of bloke, right? He wasn't a drunkard. He wasn't a sort of, he wasn't known for his tall tales. He was yeah, a steady yeah. Eddie kind of character. Respected pillar of the community. Exactly, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> wheel that little chestnut out. Boom. <laughs> so Butterfield arrived just before dawn on Midsummer's night and came to the door of the baths. So you know, the spa baths there. Uh -huh. The door in question led to a walled open space and the baths beyond. The baths were some cold springs where jaded Ilkley folk could, folk could come and refresh themselves by bathing and drinking. So you would take, it's a spa town, so yeah, you would yeah. take these waters there, right? So Butterfield took out his key and tried to turn it on the lock, but the door wouldn't open. He played with the key for some time and made, la made out laughing and scrambling sounds on the other side. Oh. With some effort, he felt like it was, there was something pushing against the door. But with effort, he finally managed to get the door open, and what a sight confronted him. Fairies skidaddled as soon as William Butterfield came on the scene. In fact, they bounded over the eight-foot wall like so many India rubber balls, or went bounding over the walls like squirrels. <laughs> Butterfield was understandably amazed. 
but he, even in a state of shock, was able to walk past the house to see the stirrings in the bracken as if a troop of hares or rabbits or some other such small animals were scampering through it. <laughs> so Butterfield seems to have been born in 1775 and the sighting took place in 1820. So this guy was 45 then, you know? Yeah. And it was just about five years after the Battle of Waterloo that this incident that's occurred. Great. You know what I mean? So that's a little bit of sort of it gets you in the area, you know what I mean? But it looks like this was time and time again by sort of like um, journalists and sort of antiquarians who would take this story down. And there's truth in these stories for me. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I genuinely think there is. Now, if I was going to look at this particular story and think to myself, you know, what's the origins, what's happening, you know what I mean? He could well have seen physical fairy folk. But what he could have seen, he could have seen the old marsh lights. He could have seen the old, you know, gas lights and things what, like that. But inside the actual, it got condensed. Or you mean when he looked out? When he looked out, I don't know. What do you think of that? Well, I think it's that laughing and giggling. He's pushed physically pushing the door. He can't get it open. Which it could have been stuck, and he might have heard like wind. Well, in the damp as well, it might have been a bit damp and a bit swollen. The door, he might yeah, have struggled yeah. with it, you know. And thinking there's someone playing fool with him, but opening the door and seeing him all bounce off. It's just too it's too on the nose. It's too much like the myths and legends of fairy folk, which I am starting bit by bit to start to think these are guys from the other realm. They're from the fae. I, I go say, if there's all this shit happening now with aliens and whatever they are, they are and Bigfoot sightings and stuff. You just think, God, why not? The veils are sort of like yeah, they're getting thin between and things are popping through. And I, I have a feeling there he's seen something, which you know. Again, he's not he's not gonna get a penny out of it and they're gonna laugh at him for the rest of his life. Yeah, this is it. Why would you put yourself under such scrutiny just to uh, get attention, you know what I mean? No. But he's he's definitely seen something, something strange and weird and wonderful up there, and I think you know normally I'd be a bit skeptical, our kid. I really would. But mm. I'm looking at this now and where we are, we're in a strange place, there's lots of weird things happening. You know, there's electrical impulses we've seen with the older yeah, ley lines yeah. and things and the old and the dowsing rods. The dowsing get rods we've got that out. sort of thing. We've we've there's been alien encounters up here, this encounter with this rumour of giants. If there's rumours of giants, why not of fairy folk? The Wiens. I'm getting scared, our kid. Well I'll tell you what, kid, why don't we go home? Well, sun's going down, I think we best. Yeah, well, I've heard in town there's uh, there's a new fish finger restaurant open. Is there? Yeah, absolutely. Ooh. So what what about me and you while we're on our little road trip? We nip down there and get ourselves a good Whoa. good round dozen fish fingers you each. You can't beat them out, can you? It's nice cooking them in the oven, but when you get them out, oh, they're the best. Out there. Right, we've met tracks that you see because. The clouds are forming and the skies are beginning to bruise. The moon's coming up and all. Yes. Mm, yeah, let's get going, our kid. Yep. So it's all it remains for me to say on our road trip out that it's a big bye-bye from Matt. It's a bigger bye-bye from Benny. Take care, guys. <laughs> there are three ways you may contact Kraken Cove. Either by email at podcast at gmail.com on Twitter at Crackencove or Instagram at Crackencovepod. Ha ha!